I have got a big show for you this week with a massive fine for eBay, huge profits for Amazon, a giant what sold recap, and a really big cup of coffee. What is up, Galaxians? Welcome to episode number 234 of the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast after a two-week mini-vacation. Uh, I am back, and we have got a ton of stuff to go over today. Thank you to everyone who reached out uh, over the last couple of weeks to encourage me to take some time and uh, make sure my mental state was correct. Uh, it, it has been quite refreshing to take a little bit of time off from this, but I am excited to be back, and I, I'm glad Uh, Hopefully that you have all come back along for the ride. With that out of the way, let's get right into this massive amount of reselling news. News updates. So you've likely already seen this. I'm I'm pretty sure it was posted uh, all over Instagram. But we talked a couple of weeks ago about eBay paying what at the time seemed like a pretty big fine of $3 million in the case against the couple... Uh, for the harassment for the people who have e-commerce bites. And $3 million seemed like a lot of money until this one popped up. <laughs> uh, eBay to pay $59 million in settlement over sales of pill-making tools. So this broke the middle of last week. eBay has agreed to pay $59 million over claims it sold equipment that can be used to manufacture illegal drugs. The U.S. Justice Department had alleged that thousands of pill presses and encapsulating machines were sold on the site, including to people who were later convicted of drug-related crimes. Now, obviously, eBay would have had no way to know who was buying these things, uh, that they were going to be making drugs, but uh, this is obviously a device that probably should not have been allowed on eBay, and essentially they have while I don't believe admitting guilt have have decided to settle this thing out of court. Uh, The equipment can be used to make counterfeit pills, including those laced with fentanyl. It comes in as many states in the U.S. are battling uh, an enormous opioid crisis. Counterfeit pills laced with fentanyl are a significant contributor to the deadly overdose epidemic, said Associate Attorney General Vanita Gupta, warning that the department is committed to using all available enforcement measures to ensure companies selling pill-making equipment follow the law. Specifically, the e-commerce giant failed to comply with the Controlled Substances Act, or the CSA, which requires companies to keep strict records and report them to the Drug Enforcement Administration, federal prosecutors allege. So this would be, I suppose it would be something that eBay could do, but it would be really hard to monitor every single time an individual seller put one of these items on the site and then track who bought it and have their information to report. So this is... It was a big mess, obviously, for eBay, and it cost them a ton of money while they have denied the allegations, saying it settled the case to avoid litigation costs, but it pledged to take more actions to comply with the CSA as part of this settlement. Maintaining a safe and trusted marketplace for our global community of sellers and buyers is a fundamental principle of our business, the company said in a statement. In its investigation, the U.S. government found that hundreds of customers who purchased pill presses also bought counterfeit molds, stamps, or dyes to make counterfeit pharmaceutical pills. I suppose this is one of those things that it's a dual use. I'm sure there are legitimate uses for a device like this, uh, but the law requires that you keep track of the people who bought them and eBay for whatever reason was either unable or unwilling to do so. And again, while denying the allegations have agreed to settle this thing out of court, 
to the tune of $59 million. So if you ever wonder where all of your final value fees are going in addition to <laughs> all their profits, uh, they have lost a couple of court cases now here recently to the tune of a total of about $62 million and counting. Amazon uh, released fourth quarter results last week, and they were nothing short of fantastic. Uh, it makes you wonder why they're so hard on their third-party sellers and why they continue to raise fees over and over. I guess this is probably why, because they're just making money hand over fist. Uh, they reported for the fourth quarter of 2023 that net sales increased 14%. To $170 billion compared with 149.2 in the same quarter last year. So big, big jump, excluding the $1.3 billion in favorable impact from year over year changes in foreign exchange rates throughout the quarter. Net sales increased 13% compared to the previous year was 13% in North America. International sales were up 17% and Amazon Web Services, which is a big, big piece of their business grew also by 13%. The key thing in all this is that their operating income increased to $13.2 billion in the fourth quarter compared to just 2.7 in the same quarter in the previous year. So a huge, huge jump in their actual operating income, which is what they're there to do, obviously, is to make money. Uh, again, the North American segment, the operating income was up $6.5 billion, uh, was up to $6.5 billion, rather, uh, compared to last year, an actual loss of $0.2 billion. So, again, massive, massive increases. Uh, some of the highlights for the full year, net sales increased 12% to $574.8 billion operating income for the year. Increased to $36.9 billion compared to just $12.2 billion the year before. So uh, uh, essentially a threefold increase in their operating income for 2023. Operating cash flow increased 82% to $84.9 billion for the trailing 12 months compared with $46.8 billion for the previous year. Uh, this Q4 was a record-breaking holiday season. And close out a robust 2023 for Amazon, said Andy Jesse, the Amazon CEO. While we made meaningful revenue, operating income, and free cash flow progress, no kidding. <laughs> uh, what we're most pleased with is the continued invention and customer experience improvements across our business. The regionalization of our U.S. fulfillment network led to our fastest ever delivery speeds for Prime members while also lowering our cost to serve. That's something we've talked about in a few episodes over the last few months, how they have kind of decentralized their warehousing and distribution network to make things easier and cheaper for them to deliver faster to customers. But it has put some burdens and some additional costs on FBA third-party sellers. Uh, AWS's continued long-term focus on customers and featured delivery, coupled with new-gen AI capabilities like Bedrock, Q, and Trainium, have resonated with customers and are starting to be reflected in our overall results. Our advertising services continue to improve and drive positive results. Our newer businesses are progressing nicely and, along with our more established businesses, collectively making customers' lives easier and better Every day. There's a marketing slogan for you. Uh, as we enter 2024, our teams are delivering at a rapid clip and we have a lot in front of us to be excited about. So tons going on over there. Uh, I, as always, will link to all of these articles in the show notes and the video description below. So if you want to read more details, but man, there is just a ton of great news going on over at Amazon in terms of their uh, results. Their business results were fabulous. They did also announce yet another 
AI innovation. They've announced something called Rufus, a new generative AI-powered conversational shopping experience. This is an expert shopping assistant trained on Amazon's product catalog and information from across the web to answer customer questions on shopping needs, products, and comparisons, making recommendations based on this context, and facilitate product discovery in the same Amazon shopping experience customers use regularly. This launched last week in beta to a really small group of customers, they say, uh, and it's only available at the moment in the mobile app. They say Rufus will progressively roll out to additional U.S. customers over the coming weeks. They say they have been using AI expansively for 25 plus years to improve their customer experiences. These personalized recommendations customers get when they shop. Amazon store, the pick paths in our fulfillment center, our drone deliveries, the conversational capabilities of Alexa, and our checkout free Amazon Go stores are just a few examples of experiences fueled by AI. We believe, they said, that generative AI is going to change virtually all customer experiences that we know. This AI-powered expert shopping assistant, they said, uh, has been trained again on that product catalog to essentially how you'll allow you to search conversationally. So kind of like how you use Alexa from broad research at the start of a shopping journey, such as what to consider when buying running shoes to comparisons, such as what are the differences between trail and road running shoes to more specific questions, such as are these durable Rufus meaningly improves how easy it is for customers to find and discover the best products to meet their needs integrated seamlessly into the same shopping experience they use regularly. Again, it's launched in beta to a small group of people. It doesn't say how they've selected those people. I assume they're probably power buyers, people that are prime members that spend a lot of money on Amazon. You have to download and update to the most recent uh, version of the app. And again, this article talks about some different ways that you can use it. I'm not going to go over all of that. If you want to read this again, there'll be a link down in the show notes uh, below. But AI continues to be a big piece of what Amazon is doing. And uh, I, you probably have seen this as well, but Etsy has also introduced a new eye shopping uh, mode called gift mode. This new tool, they say, makes it easy and fun for shoppers to discover perfect presents for everyone and every occasion, shoppers can now browse 200 plus personas and share details about their gift recipient to help them find thoughtful gifts for all of their loved ones. Then we'll use the power of AI machine learning technology paired with some curation, they say, by our team of style experts to match them with awesome items from Etsy sellers. Similar to Etsy search, our algorithms will review listings based on category relevance tags, listing quality, and more to determine what features or what items are featured in gift mode. As always, you can follow our tips for optimizing your shop for Etsy search or getting featured on Etsy to help set up your shop for success. There's a link to a YouTube video which explains gift mode and how it works. Uh, the upshot for all of this really for us as sellers is it's going to become ever more important to have really high quality listings. I've talked about that on this show a ton. Your titles matter, your descriptions matter, your use of either tags or in the case of eBay, their dreaded item specifics. Those things are going to become more and more important as they use more and more of these AI tools to generate relevant and good, hopefully, search results for people who are searching for items. And if you leave those things blank and don't put in all the relevant information, it's going to become increasingly difficult for your items to be found. So again, as I always do, 
I strongly encourage you to make sure you're taking the time to do. I know they're kind of a pain, (laughs) Uh, but do those item specifics. Put in as many details as you can about your item to set yourself up for the best possible success in this new AI-focused world. Uh, Etsy is also, they're going to run an ad during the Super Bowl. I believe there's a link in that previous uh, article where you can go and actually see the ad. But in conjunction with that, they are also, and kind of along with Valentine's Day, doing a special promotion with their Share and Save program, which allows you, if you're registered for it, to share an item of yours on your social media platforms. And if a customer buys it, you get a rebate of some of your final value fees. This particular promotion, which runs through the 15th of February, a limited time promotion governed by the terms below, essentially is qualifying transactions made during the promotion period via a URL as defined in the program terms by an eligible seller as defined below (laughs) and in accordance with the program terms. The upshot is you're going to obtain a refund of 6.5% of the overall order value. So your full final value fee is going to be refunded on that item to you as a credit if it's purchased through your link. So the duration of the program period, uh, again, if it follows all of the rules, which you'll want to make sure you're set up with, uh, runs through, what is it, 8, I think? Yeah, 8 a.m. Eastern Time on February 15th. So if you're not enrolled in that program and you sell on Etsy, go get enrolled. If you've got a big social media following, uh, share some of your stuff over there with this program and potentially save yourself some final value fees. Moving back over to eBay. Uh, Lots of changes over there. Uh, Pardon me, I'm going to take a sip of my coffee because it is really cold in my basement today. (laughs) So they've made some changes to their feedback and the way they display feedback. And I've been noticing it in the mobile app over the last week or 10 days. There's been a lot of stuff changing. It's showing your actual feedback percentage on some listings. And now if you go to actually look at the feedback, they've added something called verified purchase. eBay has added a new verified purchase designation on feedback. It's latest effort, they say on this article, to copy features found on Amazon reviews. But the unannounced change had sellers bewildered when they noticed it as early as January 30th when a user started a thread on the eBay discussion boards titled Feedback Verified Purchases. A link to that thread in this article over on eCommerce Bytes. Uh, They asked (laughs) in the thread wisely, what would be an unverified purchase? Because as far as I know, the only way you can leave feedback is to actually make a purchase. You can't just leave feedback for a seller. So I'm not totally convinced this is really relevant they they point out that again all feedback is tied to a transaction unlike product reviews over on amazon where you can buy an item somewhere else and go to amazon and actually leave a review for that item but it will not be designated as a verified purchase because there's no record of you having bought that on amazon so on amazon this actually makes a lot of sense because you can tell that the person is a legitimate person and a legitimate buyer who bought the item on Amazon and then chose to leave a review as opposed to some rando that may or may not even own the thing that just decided to leave a review. So Amazon reviews can be a little sketchy anyway. The verified purchase makes a lot of sense over there to help ensure the accuracy and whatever of the review. But on eBay, I don't, I don't know that it matters. You can let me know in the comments below if you're watching on YouTube, if you think this is 
a good move or not. Uh, they note in this article that eBay has referred to feedback as reviews in some posts dating back to mid-December. So, And I have noticed that some people don't understand the difference between feedback and a product review. A lot of the feedback that you get will be a customer stating something about a review of the item, which really doesn't have anything to do with the quality of the item or the quality of your service. So I, I don't know, maybe eBay would want to consider designating reviews and feedback in a little bit more coherent way so that users can use it properly. Uh, but again, this verified purchase thing, I don't know that it's going to be a big deal for most people. They have also made an announcement on eBay. They're warning sellers of a potential new three strikes policy. eBay would be forced to enact a three strikes policy if a new law is passed It warned sellers. A reader had forwarded an email they received from eBay's government relations department containing this information. In the notice, an eBay seller advocacy spe specialist on the GR team said the Shop Safe Act had been reintroduced in September of 2023 and included several prov provisions that, according to eBay, would allow big brands to punish small sellers, including a three strikes policy requirement. Quote, one provision in the current draft of the bill with serious consequences for small businesses on eBay is a three strikes policy, which would require all platforms, including eBay, to permanently ban sellers with three alleged counterfeit takedowns from their platform. This means that many eBay sellers could potentially be targeted with false Vero takedowns by large brands that want to control who sells their product online. So this is a potentially a messy situation. I've never had a Vero claim, uh, but I know people who have, who have had probably more than one. And in this particular case, if this law happens to pass in its current state, you could find sellers uh, running afoul of this thing potentially pretty quickly and potentially in a way that is, uh, let's just say, disingenuous on the part of the big brands who want to control their thing. There is uh, a link here to their 25,000-member Main Street lobbying program that helped defeat that bill last year. I assume you can go there to register your distaste <laughs> for this particular potential law as well. Uh, and again, there is a link in this article to a YouTube video which explains why this could hurt small businesses. You may have seen, and we've talked about this uh, over the last few months as well, uh, that more layoffs are coming. Uh, we've got a couple things here that may or may not necessarily be directly related to reselling, but UPS is going to lay off 12,000 employees this year. Uh, they said this during their earnings call last week on Tuesday. Uh, there was no mention of it in their press release, but they did mention it on the call. The Washington Post has reported that UPS plans to cut those 12,000 jobs as part of a plan to save $1 billion in costs. The layoffs will eliminate around 2.4% of its global workforce of roughly 495,000, with about 75% of the job reductions coming in the first half of this year. Uh, the information also reported that PayPal announced layoffs internally. I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, they do say that the reduction of less than 3% of our workforce does not impact union-represented roles. So this is going to be primarily non-union and probably mid-level executive people. Uh, the fact that they can cut 12,000 of those probably indicates that they're a little overstaffed in those areas, but that's just me. PayPal, as I mentioned, announced they're going to reduce their workforce by 9% through layoffs and through the elimination of open roles. So 
jobs that are currently open that have not yet been filled, they're just not going to fill. Uh, PayPal CEO Alex Chris, who replaced Dan Schulman in September, communicated the news to employees in a letter on Tuesday, though the company said it would inform those individuals impacted through the end of the week. After the information broke the news, PayPal directed us to a post on their blog where it shared the CEO's letters to employees saying it was reducing its workforce to quote unquote, right size its business. So again, this goes along with a big, big spate. I've been seeing a lot of, a lot of news that the economy is booming and everything's going well and things are great, but the job market, despite some growth, some of these companies have had massive layoffs. So you've got PayPal, eBay has already laid off a, a thousand employees. Etsy had a big cut. Uh, UPS and so on. So there are a lot of these tech and shipping and retail related companies that are really, really cutting back on their workforce. So hopefully you're not caught up in any of that. Uh, if you are, uh, reselling is a great side hustle and a way to make some extra money in, in case you do get caught up in something like this. But uh, it is pretty bleak out there with layoffs right now. So with all that bad news uh, out of the way, again, if you're watching on YouTube, you can let me know what you think of any of that. I uh, always love to hear your thoughts and opinions on what's going on in the world of reselling. With that, uh, let's get into this absolutely enormous What Sold recap. So since I was gone for a couple of weeks, I have accumulated quite a bit of stuff here to go over. So we're going to kind of blow right through this. I don't know. There might be 15 or 18 of these things. This first item, uh, Dayton Flyers versus the Louisville Cardinals take off basketball program from February 22nd of 1958. I was at an estate sale back in the summer and I picked up essentially an entire box full of old uh, sports programs, mostly University of Dayton, some University of Cincinnati. Pretty much all local to the area. So these are the programs that they gave out at the games back in this era. These were all like 1940s, 50s, and 60s era, mostly college, some high school. I picked up this whole box. There must have been a hundred of them in there for five bucks. <laughs> so I'm into these things for next to nothing. Some of them were $10, $12, $15. This one I had listed for $24.99 or best offer. Got a watcher, sent out my normal 15% off offering and sold it for $21.24 plus shipping. This was an interesting book, also from kind of the Dayton area. Wire Rope Handbook and Catalog, Catalog E from Armco Steel's Sheffield Division. This was a hardcover uh, book illustrated from 1963. Again, an estate sale item that I picked up for a couple of bucks and had it listed for $24.99, sent out, again, a 15% off offer to a watcher and sold it for $21.24. The cool thing about this particular one was that the person who bought it reached out to me to tell me that the photo on the cover was his father. So that's a really, I always loved hearing those stories when a customer gets back to you and says, hey, you know, this my uncle wrote this book or my dad is in this book or whatever the case may be. I always, I really think that's great when an item like this goes to someone who can really truly appreciate it for them and their family so again really interesting thing wire rope handbook and catalog uh one of those things that maybe you wouldn't expect to sell but found the right buyer and sent it on its way this was interesting world war ii ration uh, leather holder and some books from 1943 it had some forms in it some unused ration books and booklets 
Really neat piece. This was just in a box of miscellaneous ephemera that I picked up in an estate sale for like 10 bucks. So I'm into this for probably less than 10 cents. The leather pouch was pretty worn, as you would probably expect for that type of thing from that type of age. But uh, this was listed for $24.99 plus shipping and sold for full price over on eBay. For sale of the week over on Etsy, the first book of wonders, wonders of nature and wonders produced by man. This was uh, a hardcover illustrated book from the 1920s, published back in 1924, part of a whole series of books, uh, book of wonders. I bought a bunch of these at an estate sale for a couple of bucks a piece. There was not a complete set, so I've been selling them off individually one at a time for anywhere from $15 to $25. This one sold on Etsy for $24.99 plus shipping. Back over to eBay. The Republic Pictures Checklist features serials, cartoons, and more from 1935 to 1959. was written by Len Martin. This is another one of those McFarland hardcover books covering old film and radio programs from the 20s through the 60s and 70s. I picked up a huge batch of these at an estate sale back in the spring for a couple of dollars a piece. They have been selling anywhere from 18 to about $45, depending on what they are. This one sold on a best offer of $25.49 plus shipping. So pretty nice little flip. If you, again, if you happen to see any of these, they're not real common, uh, but they're nice looking hardcovers published by a company called McFarland. And this one is literally just a checklist of all the films and cartoons and training movies and everything that Republic Pictures did during that era. I've talked a little bit about these over the past couple of months, a bunch of art books that I had picked up at an estate sale for a couple of dollars a piece. Joseph DeCamp, Master Painter of the Boston School, written by Laureen Buckley. This was from 1995, illustrated, obviously, hardcover with its dust jacket. Had it listed for $32.99 or best offer, received an offer of $27 and sent it on its way. Art books can be pretty hit or miss. Uh, This particular sale, there were a bunch that, when I looked them up, were pretty good. It's not an item that I would just ordinarily grab off the shelf and say, oh, yeah, art books are great. Uh, they do require a little bit of research on out in the field to make sure you get the, the right ones because some of them are not worth the cost to ship them. Uh, but some of these can be pretty good. Another old book from 1938 by Lin Yutang, My Country and My People. This was a Halcyon House special limited edition hardcover in its dust jacket. This is a book that usually does fairly well for me. I've picked up not necessarily this particular version of it, but other versions of this book in the past. Usually it's pretty good. This is one I picked up at an estate sale for a dollar. It sold for $27.99 plus media mail shipping. Uh, this is an old book from a big lot of books that I own for about 20 cents a piece. Show Me the World of Space Travel, written by Julian May back in 1959. It was an illustrated hardcover uh, published by the Pennington Press. Uh, I've had this thing for quite some time. It was in my 25% off sale last month and sold uh, for $29.99 off of its original price of $39.99, plus again, media mail shipping. This was a fairly recent, and I I talk about religious books seemingly every week on this show, The MacArthur Drawing Near Devotional Bible ESV by John MacArthur, published back in 2013. This was a first printing of this particular edition of this book uh, in pretty good condition. Picked it up at an estate sale for $2, sold for $29.99 plus shipping. 
I was at an estate sale where the person was a collector of materials on Montgomery County and Dayton. Lots of books about the history of the town and the geography and the structures and so on. Really interesting lot of stuff. I bought all of it because it was just so unusual. I'm into them for about a buck a piece. This was the Landmark Committee Report on the Significant Structures and Sites of Montgomery County, uh, published back in 1968. Illustrated book that covered what were the kind of the most important structures in Montgomery County at the time. Uh, this actually did not sell to someone in Dayton. This went to someone, I think, in Maryland, uh, but sold for $29.99 plus shipping. Uh, I, I like those old kind of regionally specific items. Generally speaking, obviously, your potential buyer market might be a little more narrow, but they're also a little more passionate. And these things tend to sell fairly quickly and for reasonably good money. Back over to Etsy, uh, part of a big book, lot of religious books that I bought for a dollar a piece, Tell of His Power, written by Ralph Larson. This was from 1988, published by Cherry Stone Press. This was a pretty big, uh, probably 11 by 8 trade paperback. Again, I own it for a buck. It sold on Etsy for $29.99 plus shipping. From that same lot, another book. This was a uh, new and sealed Holy Bible Revised Standard Version. This was a second edition in blue leather. The box was actually open, but the Bible itself was still sealed in cellophane. Obviously, I couldn't verify the date, but other ones like this appeared to be from the 1970s. I listed this for $34.99, received an offer of $30. Since I own it for a dollar, I thought that was a pretty good deal, and I went ahead and sold it. Uh, kind of a big coffee table-sized book, The Raj, India and the British, 1600 to 1947, published by the National Portrait Gallery, uh, illustrated hardcover with its dust jacket in really, really fantastic shape. This was written, I think, in the 1980s or early 1990s. Again, massive, like, coffee table-sized book. Picked it up at an estate sale for $2. It sold on eBay for $32.99 plus $7.83 media mail shipping. This is one, and I've talked about shipping uh, with the changes that came last month, and this probably is as good a time as any to talk about this. Keep an eye on ground advantage versus media mail shipping for larger, not huge, but this book, for instance, shipped in a 14 by 10 by 4 box, but it weighed like 8 pounds, and it turned out that ground advantage was like a buck twenty less than media mail. So it pays to do a little bit of research. Don't necessarily assume that media mail is going to be the cheapest rate because ground advantage is actually very, very competitive on some of these things that are in that, say, five to 10 pound range. I'm finding a lot of them uh, ship for less money on ground advantage. Interesting old book, rare. Uh, this was a rare, very difficult to find. Chess Combinations and Traps was written by, I think it's Victor Sosin, uh, a Russian chess player from the 1920s, if I'm not mistaken. This was published back in 1936, uh, illustrated book, uh, paperback booklet by Black Knight Press. This was another one that was just in a box full of ephemera and magazines and whatnot. I'm into it for maybe 10 or 15 cents. I had it listed for $39.99 or best offer, received an offer of $35 and sent it on its way. Another old book, this one from 1923, The Mary Knoll Mission Letters from China, volume number one. This is an illustrated hardcover published by Macmillan. 
a lot of this Marinol missionary stuff does really, really well. I usually will grab just about anything I find that refers to this mission that took place uh, in the like 19-teens and 20s over in China. Uh, this was part of my 20% off sale last month. I had it listed for $44.99. It sold for $35.99 plus shipping. Cost of goods sold one thin dollar. Back over to Etsy, The Angel of Mercy, the story of Dorothea Lind Dix from 1970. This was a 10th printing hardcover, no dust jacket, kind of a library version of this book. Uh, fairly popular, fairly difficult to find, even in a 10th printing. This sold for $39.99. This was part of a big lot of books that I own for less than four cents a piece. I've talked about uh, over the last couple of months this big lot of Western books and other stuff that I picked up at an estate sale. I'll end up most of it for a couple of bucks a piece. This is Hopalong Cassidy, an American legend by Grace Bradley Boyd and Michael Cochran, published back in 2008, hardcover with its dust jacket. Dust jacket had some minor damage on it, but overall this book appeared to be in better condition than almost anything else that was listed on eBay. So I put this thing out for $44.99 plus shipping. Uh, and again, this is another one that media mail shipping was going to be $7.83 and USPS ground advantage ended up being like $6.60 something. So again, keep an eye on that. Another item from that lot, this was a DVD, part of the Gene Autry collection, Home in Wyoming from 1942. The DVD was actually produced in 2001, black and white. I picked up probably eight or nine of these from this particular series. Some of them were new and sealed. Some of them were not. I own them for a dollar a piece. This one, there was, there was one listed and the guy was asking a couple of hundred bucks for it. I did a little research, didn't look like it was probably worth anywhere near that kind of money. So I listed mine at 60 bucks, 59.99 or best offer, received an offer of $40 from someone. I countered at 50. He came back at 45 and I went ahead and took that deal because I own it for a dollar. Uh, if you see these Gene Autry collection DVDs, take a look at them. Most of them are pretty decent, 15, 20 bucks. There's a few that weren't that great, but some of them, like this one, for instance, Brought really, really good money. This was another interesting one. I got a note from the buyer after he received the item that he and his father both knew Gene Autry back in the day and that this was the last DVD that he needed to complete his collection of all of these Gene Autry films. So again, a cool story from a buyer and I always appreciate hearing those. Old legal book, The Handbook of Law of Code Pleading from 1928, written by Charles Clark. Uh, first edition published by West Publishing, who's a big publisher in the legal and law book area. I picked this up at an estate sale for $3. Gosh, I don't know, back in the fall. And this thing sold for $74.99 plus media mail shipping. So not all legal books are big money, but some of them can be really pretty spectacular. I have talked previously uh, about Bound magazines. This is one of those. I picked this up at an estate sale back in the fall, and I had so much stuff in my um, inventory pile that I was working through that I hadn't gotten around to listing these until fairly recently. This was a really interesting set of magazines. So this is Sport Magazine from September to December of 1946. It's only four issues, but it's volume one, number one through four. So it's the first four issues ever of Sport Magazine. This person had these professionally bound, uh, featured Joe DiMaggio and a couple other big baseball players of that era. 
There was nothing like this anywhere on the market. Some of these magazines individually were bringing $30, $40, $50 and more. So I listed this set bound in kind of a hardcover binding. Four magazines listed for $119.99. Got a watcher, sent out my offer, and sold this thing for $101.99. I bought a box of these for $2 a piece. I think I've got seven different years ranging from the 1940s through the 1970s. They get a lot of watchers. I'm pretty confident that these are all eventually going to sell for anywhere from $100 to close to $200 a piece. Uh, Bound editions of magazines can be really, really lucrative. Uh, they're, they're difficult to find. There's not a lot of them out there, uh, but when you find them, they're, they're pretty solid. And now your flip of the, whatever we'll call it, the last three weeks, uh, Rosemary's Baby by Ira Levin from 1967. This was a stated first printing hardcover with its dust jacket published by Random House. Very difficult to find actual first printing. There are a lot of first editions out there, but they're not necessarily first printing first printing as you're aware of many books can be really really valuable i had this listed for 224.99 uh i had sent out an offer to someone they did not take me up on that offer but then they reached out about three weeks later and said hey if i would still do 191 dollars for this book they would buy it i picked this up as part of a big lot for 20 whole cents (laughs) Uh, so I'll take 191 bucks plus shipping. Uh, this actually ended up going to the Philippines. So this was sh- sold and shipped through eBay's international shipping program. And that uh, is going to put a wrap on what has been a pretty busy last couple of weeks. I've, again, I've seen a lot of sellers talking about uh, eBay being very, very slow. And that has just not really been the case here. Knockwood, um, obviously everybody's business is different. Timing can be different. Your product mixes can be different, but last week I sold like 120 some listings, just busier than a one-armed paper hanger. I could barely keep up with all the stuff. I would be pulling one item and my phone would buzz and I'd have another one. And it was just a, a fantastic week. And it's been that way through pretty much all of January. As it turned out, I made more money in profit in January than I did in December, which is a trend that has continued for my business over the last, gosh, four years now. January has been better than December. So let me know down in the comments below how your January was. Was it better than your December? Was it was it good? Was it bad? What's going on with your business? I uh, always like to hear how other people are faring out there in the reselling world. That is going to get us caught up, I think. A lot of stuff going on over the last couple of weeks. Uh, eBay should be announcing their winter seller update, I would think, here fairly shortly. So I'll be sure to cover that when that comes. Uh, As always, thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with me. And now it's time to sell. Thanks, guys. You have been listening to the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you again next time.